We are grateful for those who not only founded our freedom, but who have sustained and secured it across the years. In many ways, that represents and reminds us of the very act of God, how He intervenes into our life, how he comes into our life, which is caught up in bondage and caught up in in servitude to our sin and, and, and to the distractions that have led us away from him. He intervenes, he comes and he rescues, he delivers. He did that even to the point of his coming here to earth, Jesus's life on earth, followed by his death and his burial, but ultimately his victorious resurrection, conquering death, conquering sin, and giving us freedom forever. Then not leaving us, but standing beside us and standing with us and standing in us to ensure that we have the opportunity in our freedom to live it in such a way that we become contagious to the people around us and they meet this God who loves them so deeply, the same way we met this God who loves us so deeply to give his own life for us. And not only contagious in that draw to this deep love of God, but influencing in the very environment in which we live to understand that there is a hope that what would seem impossible to accomplish on our own, God has accomplished through Christ for us. And we wrap up our study in 1 Thessalonians, which is a little letter contained in what we call the book of 1 Thessalonians in our New Testament, a letter from the Apostle Paul to the church in Thessalonica. We wrap up with those last words, reminding of how God intervenes, how it is God who sets us and distinguishes us apart. And how it is God who secures us, that which we could not attain on our own, that righteousness, that separation, that holiness, that distinguished position that could not be attained apart from Christ coming and dying for us and letting his shed blood be the process by which we're forgiven. That God who made that possible also secures and preserves and and holds us not just now, but for all eternity. And in a completeness that is all-encompassing and takes in every aspect of our life. And he does it because he is a faithful God. I love the last phrase we're going to look at. Paul says to the church at Thessalonica, he is faithful and he will do it. He's faithful in his character, and his faithfulness is obvious in his actions. I invite you to look at this little tiny passage of Scripture with me. It's in 1 Thessalonians. Like I said, it's towards the very end of your Bibles, and you'll have the opportunity in chapter 5, 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, and then the little numbers in the midst of the text describe the verses. So we're at verse 23, which starts with, Now may the God of peace... You find that location, we look at it together. Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely. And may your whole spirit, soul, and body be kept sound and blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. He who calls you is faithful. He will do it. And then just simple charges to that church. Brothers and sisters, 
I want you to pray and pray for us and as well. Greet everyone when you see them with a holy kiss, which is uh, the Thessalonica version of a hug here in Texas, an appropriate hug. Greet everyone and when you see them, and then I charge you to read this letter. We understand it even now, centuries later, to study it and to know that the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ is with us. But let's jump back to 23 for just a second. I am calling this consummate distinction. All that means is God distinguishes us. I couldn't attain salvation. My sinfulness, my my process of decisions from a very young age, even younger than I could recognize or understand, I inherited that through the process of sin all the way back to our greatest, greatest descendants, Adam and Eve themselves, inherited this desire and this innate ability to want to sin. I made decisions that were contrary to God. And in that moment, my decision separated me from him. And I, and I, I could, no matter how hard I tried, I, I couldn't bridge that gap. I, I couldn't find a way across that chasm. I, I, couldn't, I couldn't make it to the destination. No matter how hard I tried, no matter how hard I might want to, or even sometimes, because I was so caught up in my sinfulness, sometimes I didn't even bother to want to. Sometimes you stand at the edge of the precipice and you don't even think about what might be on the other side. And that describes a lot of my pre-Christian experience. Didn't even really pay a whole lot of attention. Did I need God's love? Did I want God's love? Did I desire to be righteous? And I would have to be candid and say, no. I was pretty content. But God began to move in my heart and draw me And make me begin to speculate and wonder, what is on the other side of this chasm? What if God is real? What if if God isn't a concept or a philosophy that people think they need, which is what I considered it to be? What if God's not part of some animalistic view of the world as it exists, which is what I told my Eagle Scout board, that's what I believe, that God's everywhere. Every rock, every tree, every fish. I'm godly every time I catch rainbow trout. I mean, that was my perspective. But then he started drawing me and I began to think and ask myself, what if? What if he's real? And what what if more than a philosophy or an idea, what if he is capable of personal relationship? And that's, the more I contemplate, that's, that's the more I realize this is something I am incapable of accomplishing. It was, the decisions had been made, the path had been set, and God wasn't a part of it. But God wasn't content to let me stay on that path that I had initiated and had stayed true to. God wanted to intervene. He wanted to do something with me and in me. And so I stopped And on that Saturday night that many of you have heard about before, I got down on my knees and then I stood up. I said it like six different times, six different ways. I wanted to make sure he could hear me. Okay, I'm a sinner. And okay, I'm going to believe that Jesus is the pathway to 
do something about, to remedy, to somehow cure this sin. And, and okay, I'm going to acknowledge him and I'm going to choose and I'm going to celebrate and I'm going to follow him. I'm going to figure out what it means to be a believer in Jesus. And God heard that prayer. And in that moment, this consummate distinction took place. I was no longer just this person, this existence. I was now a follower of Jesus who had come into relationship with Almighty God. Now may the God of peace, and that word well, that word peace just simply describes well-being, a total, whole well-being. May this God of totality, this God of wholeness, this God who can give peace that's beyond description himself sanctify, which simply means to set apart, to distinguish, to create that distinction, set apart me completely, which literally means through and through. Every aspect of who I am in that moment changed because of the love of God. I even believe to the point um, that I would say that he enabled me even to make the decision to trust him. Because my history had been not to decide that direction. It was God who set me apart. It was God who distinguished you. It was God who now gave me purpose, who now gave me direction, who now could give me, because I understand my purpose and I understand my direction, because I have a pathway to follow now, I have a direction in which to go and explore and adventure, that now have this God who is capable of making all of this happen. And he would keep making it happen. Hour after hour, day after day, experience after experience, education, work, all the aspects of living, the trials, the tribulations, the difficulties, the heartaches, as well as the successes and the the prosperity and and the moments of, of elation and joy. He was there. And every single time he was helping me, guiding me to live distinctively for him. And not because of my vocational decision, That did play in. But before I made my vocational decision, I was already determined to be first and foremost a follower of Jesus. Because Jesus touched my life. Jesus changed. God distinguishes us. He gives us that purpose and that direction that becomes obvious. But then the question came up quickly. How do I sustain this? If you had known me at that point in time, it would surprise some of you because at that point in time, I had never sustained anything. At at that point in time and early on in that process and even the first few years after I became a, a follower of Christ, not everything sunk in instantaneously. I understood instantaneously. Literally within 24 hours, God had made it clear. He had answered my prayer. He was working. He was real. And I was ready to follow him. But it would take a while Well, what am I saying? I'm still working out the kinks. You guys already know that because we're friends and you guys know me. I'm still working out those kinks. 
how could I sustain this thing? This, this thing that I couldn't accomplish on my own, this thing that I wouldn't have accomplished on my own, how am I going to sustain it? And Paul blesses his church at Thessalonica and says, look, I understand this. God did this. So guess what? God's also the one who's going to give us this kind of conclusive preservation. He's going to take care of us in every area of our life. He protects us. May your whole spirit, soul, and body, Paul's not going Greek here and trying to separate out the metaphysical ideas and concepts of human existence. No, what he is attempting to do to the church of Thessalonica is to say, there is no area of your life that God's not going to play a part in. You can look at any aspect of your life. You can look at the spiritual consequences. You can look at the physical consequences. You can look at the eternal consequences. You can look at the the past and the heritage and the consequences of heritage. You can look at every aspect of your life. Define yourself however you want. And God's the one who's going to protect. And God's the one who's going to preserve. This totality of who we are will be kept sound, Paul says literally guided and guarded, blameless, acceptable at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. It can, it can be daunting. It can be exciting to think about as we just sang earlier and the choir did a beautiful job of singing and reminding us there's a day coming and Jesus is coming back and he's going to make things right and he will because scripture tells us that's what he does in heaven, wipe away the tears from our eyes. But how do I get from here to there without messing up significantly badly? And Paul answers it. It was never dependent upon you in the first place and it's not dependent upon you now. That doesn't remove the work ethic and the discipline of a spiritual life, but it does remind us ultimately it is Jesus who changes our life and it is Jesus who keeps us changed and it is Jesus who will change us when we need changes in the future. It's always been Jesus. It's never been us. It's never been the church. It's never been processes. It's always been Jesus. First and foremost, all of those things may aid. I wouldn't want to do the Christian life without the Christian church. I need you all, and I I need you to encourage. I need you to hold accountable. I need you to to love and to care, and and I, I need so much of the church. But before I need the church, I need Jesus because he's the one that can protect me. He can take the totality of my life and guard it. He can take the totality of my experience, even my mistakes, and cleanse me and prepare me for Jesus' return when I greet him blameless and acceptable and as his child. He'll take care of it. And he will. That is the simple assertion of faith. This competent mobilization of God who secures and guarantees us. He who calls you is faithful and he will do it. He's not just faithful in his personality or in his character. There is that, but he's faithful in his actions and that has not changed. That has not changed since the day I met Jesus. He is still faithful today. And it will not change no matter what happens tomorrow because I have no control over that. 
That's why Jesus told us not even to worry about tomorrow. He reminded us that each day, each day in the moment has enough troubles of its own. Let him take care of tomorrow. Again, doesn't mean you don't plan, doesn't mean you figure out just like Ben and, and Paige and others who have been in school and are graduating and going to a new level of school or a new level of education or a new level of work. You don't stop looking at tomorrow, but tomorrow is in reality not our anxious concern because we don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. Of all weeks in our Texas family, we should know we don't know what's going to happen in the next hour. But no matter what the next hour brings, God is already there and waiting for us. He is faithful and he will do it. I don't know what any of us are going to face this upcoming week. I hope, I honestly hope legitimately, I hope it's great and I hope it's wonderful and I hope we come back next week and we're just that much more excited to be together because good things have happened. But if it's not that... It will not be, in my opinion, in Paul's opinion, the fault of God. He is faithful, and he will do it. He is faithful, and he will do it. You've already almost memorized that passage of Scripture. Remember that one part, and recite it to yourself every day this week. He is faithful, and he will do it. As our band prepares to worship... I am thankful and I am grateful, especially in my relationship with all of you, that the faithfulness of God changed someone who was inconsistent in just about every aspect of his life into someone who has been consistent to the point he seems older than I want you to think I am. I'm here today because God's faithful and he will do it. And we will celebrate together in heaven Because God's faithful and he will do it. None of us will experience anything this week where we cannot have hope and recognize he is faithful and he will do it.